0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Tonight we begin our new Wednesday evening series on attitude. Tonight's sermon is entitled, Don't Give Up on Yourself, by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. And now, Pastor Johnson. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to talk tonight, next Wednesday night, and the next Wednesday night on attitude. We're going to talk about attitude. Attitude determines your altitude. Amen? We're going to talk about altitude. And tonight I'm going to speak on this subject. Don't give up on yourself. While you're standing, 1 Samuel chapter 14 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass upon a day. Everybody say a day. A day. Everybody say Wednesday. Wednesday. June, 24 June 24 is a day. That the Lord has made. And I can get better today. You may be seated. You're awesome people. If you're a visitor, we're glad to have you tonight. Thank you for being here. We love people at Christian Life Church. Last week I read to you, and I'm going to read it again before I go very far into this message tonight. I want to make it very clear that I do not believe men and women can be saved by just having a good attitude. But I strongly believe that when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives and we make Him Lord and Savior, we make Him Lord of our life, that the totality of our human existence enters into a powerful transformation. Everything that you and I will ever need in our journey is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. We're saved by grace, not positive thinking. We are given a new heart and a new mind that seek to be molded by Christ and not the prevailing force of a sinful, sinful culture. The Bible makes it very clear that we are to seek and discover. Everybody say the mind of Christ. Paul said, Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought himself not, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation. Amen. But took on the form of a servant. Paul spoke to the Philippian church to let this mind of Christ be in us. He knew that the mind, this place right here between our two ears, was the battleground of the soul. And that the eye gate and that the ear gate are perpetual avenues that have to be guarded and protected in our life. Everybody say, Lord. Lord, Protect my eyes. eyes. I I will set no evil before my eyes. Protect my ears. ears. Don't let me hear things. things. Or retain things that are evil to my life and to my heart. So I want to tell the story of Jonathan and the armor bearer tonight. There were only two swords in Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And Saul, Jonathan's father, had the other one. Jonathan was a prince. His dad, Saul, was king. But Saul did not wish to fight. Saul was he was a little lazy that day, and he had his men over under some pomegranate trees, and they are chilling because they had beat their swords the plowshares. And now they had to defend their territory, and they did not have what it took to fight, only two swords. But Jonathan had the other one. And Jonathan stood with his armor bearer, and he saw some Philistines on top of this cliff. And he looked at his armor bearer said, Now it came to pass upon a day, and I'm going to just kind of quote it in my own vernacular, that Jonathan said, I want victory. I want victory today. Have you ever awakened in the morning and said, This is not going to be a normal day. This is going to be a victorious day. Because how you start your day is usually how you're going to finish your day. If you're looking to have a bad day, you're probably not going to be disappointed. But if you're looking to have a great day, you're probably not going to be disappointed either. And so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, who did not have a sword, he said, if those men tell us to come up, then it's the will of God for us to go up because God's going to give us the victory. If they tell us to stay down here and they'll be with us in a little while, it's the will of God for them to come here and we'll whip them down here. In other words, what he said was, whatever they ask us to do, we know it's the will of God. Because it's God's will for us to have victory today. And in the middle of the summertime, summer has already started and we've got rain in the summertime. But in the middle of summertime, I believe with all my heart, God does not want you to have a defeated summer. He wants you to have a victorious summer. In fact, he wants you to triumph and live in victory this summer. And so make up your mind right now. Whatever the enemy throws at you, if he asks you to come up there or go down here say, this is the will of God, I'm going to have victory today in my life. Amen. God's going to give me victory. Now, Pastor J.T. Pugh, a man that impressed my life many, many times over. I used to do camps with him. He was a daytime teacher. I was a night speaker. And I heard him say one time, I heard him say many times, I can get better today. I can get better today. Would you repeat that with me? I can get better today. This thing that we call getting better does not mean you're going to go from zero to 100. But it means I can go from two to three today. I can go from three to five today. I can go from nine to ten today. I can have a winning day. And winning perpetuates winning. And habit perpetuates habit. The old story says that a moving, a moving body, something in motion, stays in motion. Something at rest tends to stay at rest. I think it's time for us to have motion in our emotion and realize that God is for us. God is with us. And we can get better today. There are two basic attitudes toward life, one of hope and one of dread. One of trust, the other of fear. One of optimism, the other of gloom. In a Frank and Ernest cartoon several years ago, Frank is rousing slowly from his sleep then looking out out at the sun coming up, and he says dryly, Well, the sun is rising in the east. So far, so good. That's how some people live. They live with a feeling of dread and doom about their lives, and they dismiss the possibility of joy. Even when life is good to them, they know that it cannot last. And somewhere, sometimes, somehow, something out there is going to happen that will wreck their best laid plans, frustrate their fondest dreams, and crush everything that they hold dear. Kind of reminds me of the story of Mark Twain on the train one day. True story. He didn't want to carry his briefcase with him, so he asked a baggage handler if he thought his briefcase was strong enough to be checked into the baggage compartment. And the baggage handler shrugged, took Twain's case, and promptly hurled it to the pavement. That, sir, he said, is what, your bag, is what your briefcase will get in Philadelphia. Then he picked up and struck it five or six times against the side of the train car. And he continued, and that's what she'll get in Chicago. Finally, he threw it down on the ground and stomped on it vigorously until the author's books and papers spilled out, saying that's what she'll get in Sioux City. As Twain watched in disbelief, the man nodded at his now mangled case and said, and if you're going any further than Sioux City, sir, I suggest you carry it on yourself. (laughs) Some people think their life is like Mark Twain's briefcase. They think that hell's going to stomp on them, beat them up against the train, throw them down in disgust. But sometimes you got to understand that the tail doesn't always have to wag the dog. That the dog can still wag the tail. And that Jesus Christ in the middle of a hot summer. When things can go awry very quickly. Can give you joy in the morning. Can give you joy in the noontime. Can give you joy at night. And can wake you up in the middle of the night with joy. Because weeping may endure for a night. But joy will come. To your lives in the morning. Ed Young. In Dallas, in his book, Been There, Done That, Now What? Tells a terrific story about a professional golfer on the PGA Tour several years ago named Bobby Cole. No one wanted to play with Bobby Cole, the story goes, because he was angry all the time. He was bitter. He made cutting remarks. He made the other golfers around him mad also. And when they got mad, they couldn't play well. That was his way of getting to people. But Bobby Cole's partner at the Masters in Augustus one year was a man named Sam Snead. Everybody loves Sam. He was gracious, he was kind, he coached and encouraged others and had rarely a negative word to say to anyone. But after 10 or 12 holes with the obnoxious Bob Cole, even Sam Sneed's patience was wearing a bit thin. And they approached the next hole and lay up with a dog leg to the right near some tall pine trees. Sneed took out a three iron and laid it up right down the middle. Then he turned to Cole and Sneed said, Son, when I was your age... And playing this hole, I would take my driver and fade my shot right around the corner over those pine trees. It would save me about 100 yards, but it might be a little tough for you, sir. And Cole's anger flashed. And he immediately said to Sam Sneed, I can do anything you've ever done. Get out of my way, old man. He put up his iron, took out his driver, and hit a fabulous drive with a slight fade on it. Unfortunately, it hit the top of the pine trees. That Snead had pointed to and fell down the deep rough. And as both golfers walked toward their shot. Snead looked back at Bobby Cole and said nice try son. But I forgot to mention that when I was your age the pine trees were only shoulder high. (laughs) It's hard to see intelligent people that are defeated by their attitudes. I don't care how high the pine trees get. God's got us a way to get to the next green. It doesn't matter how big life is in your world. It is not bigger than the God that created you. And God gave you dominion in the book of Genesis. And we still have dominion today. And we ought to walk in that favor with God. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, folks. Don't have a bad attitude. Have a great spirit in this summer. Oh, I want to preach. I'm convinced that this can be the best summer of your life if you will simply accept one principle. Are you ready for this? Here it is. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. Hoo-wee. Everybody say, what you believe is more important than what you have or who you are say I believe in Jesus I may be in the pits but I'm looking up I may be in the junkyard but I'm looking for a piece of paper to write a song right now you can put a poet in a junkyard and he'll write a poem you can put a songwriter in the horriblest situation in his life and he'll write a song because that's what they're supposed to do you can put a Christian anywhere in this world Put him in a prison, put him in a dark jungle, put him in a place where he can't find his way out. He'll still sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Because there's something on the inside of us. It's what we believe that's more important than what we have or who we are. Everybody say, I believe in Jesus. The most important matter in your life is not what is happening to you, but what is happening in you. Next week, we're going to talk about what you believe about yourself. What you believe about your purpose for living. What you believe about others and what you believe about Jesus Christ. Can you be here next week and hear that word? What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. Let me tell you a beautiful story. It's one of the most beautiful stories you'll ever hear. Don't ever forget it. Harvey Mackey was waiting in line for a taxi at the airport one day. When a cow pulled up. And the first thing Harvey noticed was that the taxi was polished to a bright shine. Smartly dressed in a white shirt, black tie, and freshly pressed black pants. Wally, the cab driver, jumped out and rounded the car to open the back door. Harvey noticed that the inside of the cab mounts the outside. It was spotlessly clean also. Watch this now. As Wally slid behind the wheel, he said, Would you like a cup of coffee? Taxi driver. Harvey said, No, I'd prefer a soft drink. Wally smiled and said, No problem. I have a cooler up front. It has regular Coke and Diet Coke. It has water and orange juice. (laughs) Almost stuttering, Harvey said, I'll take a Diet Coke. And handing Harvey his drink, Wally said, if you'd like something to read, I have the Wall Street Journal, I have Time Magazine, I have Sports Illustrated and the USA Today, which would you prefer? And as he pulled away from the curb, Wally handed Harvey a laminated card and said, these are the stations I get and the music they play if you'd like to listen to the radio. And said, if that if that wasn't enough, Har- Wally told Harvey the air conditioning was on and asked if the temperature was comfortable. The driver then advised Harvey of the best route to his destination for that time of day. He said, we're going to go the quickest route to charge you the least money. Wally also let Harvey know that he'd be happy to chat and tell him all about some sights, or if Harvey preferred, he'd leave him with his own thoughts. Tell me, Wally, the amazed Harvey said. Have you always served customers like this? And Wally smiled and looked in his rearview mirror and said, no, not always, sir. In fact, it's only been the last two years. My first five years driving, I spent most of my time complaining like the rest of the cabbies do. But when I heard Wayne Dyer one day on the radio saying that if you get up in the morning expecting to have a bad day, you'll rarely disappoint yourself. He said, stop complaining. He said, Wayne Dyer said, distinguish yourself from your competition. Wayne Dyer said, don't be a duck, be an eagle. Ducks quack and ducks complain, but eagles soar above the crowd. So he said, I decided. You're taking my time by clapping. So he said, I decided to change my attitude and become an eagle. I looked at other cabs and their drivers and their cabs were dirty. The driver's unfriendly and the customers were unhappy. So I decided to make some changes. Woo! I can get better today. I put in a few at a time. And when my customers responded well, he said, I did more. And Harvey said, i take it. It's paid off for you. He said, it sure has. My first year as an Eagle, I doubled my income from the previous year. This year, I'll probably quadruple it. Wally, the cab driver, made a different choice. He decided to stop quacking like a duck and start soaring like an eagle. That's one of the greatest stories I could ever tell you in my life. Because he believed I can be changed I can change myself I can get better today Turn to somebody and say I can Get better Today oh I feel like preaching right now There's a lot of birds in the bird kingdom Many of them are looked at with fondness And some not so much I want to review a few birds for you tonight that you do not want to be and pattern your life after, okay? I'm not calling you these. I just don't want you to pattern your life after them. The first one is a chicken. They taste good to a preacher on Sunday when they've been fried. (laughs) But a chicken reminds me of a person who's afraid with life and lives in fear. Chickens are lazy, and they don't want to reach out and change to do a better way of life. A chicken's life consists of walking around and scratching the ground and clucking. They spend most if not all of their lives looking at the ground and never looking up. They seem to be bound to the earth. They can flap their wings but they do not fly. They like being kept in by a fence and they're satisfied with being cooped up. And if they do get out of the chicken yard, they do not know what to do with the freedom that they enjoy. And when the storm arises... They run for safety with other chickens in a huddle without a clue of how to solve the problems they face. That's what you don't want to be. The second one is a magpie. Put a magpie up there. There's a magpie. It's a pretty bird, isn't it? These birds are bullies. They're bullies. There's the one that used to push you around in junior high. They don't know how to be nice. They don't know how to be pleasant. They're rude and they're pushy. They spend their life abusing other birds. They're very selfish, they're arrogant, they're self-centered, and they're rude. Their mission in life is to make sure that other people don't enjoy life. Everybody say, Pastor, I don't want to be a magpie. Thank you very much. The third one is a kookaburra. That's a kookaburra. Pretty bird. This bird, all he wants to do is party. This party. That's all he wants to do. That's why some people are here tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have good Bible studies like this every Wednesday night. You ought to show up sometime when we're not having big nights. This bird's out to have fun, fun, and more fun. Lie to that bird just one big joke. Everybody say, Pastor. I don't want to be a kookaburra. Then there's a vulture. Oh, that's a pretty bird, isn't it? They don't enjoy life. They make life hard for others. These birds are attracted to garbage and dead stuff. They seem to be drawn to the dead and the dirty things. They enjoy the filth of life. All that's rotting and corrupts or stinks attracts them. Ha! You got any stinky stories for me? That's a vulture. You know, that's a cousin to an eagle, but they don't do family reunions together. (laughs) Everybody say pastor. Pastor. I'm not going to be a vulture. (laughs) Then there's the parrot or the cockatoo. Pretty bird. These birds have big talk, but they don't back it up with big walk. Lord God, I'm doing good tonight. (laughs) I'm about, to, I'm about to throw it down right now. <laughs> just talk. Most of them just mimic what they've heard others say. They hadn't had an original thought since they was born. But most of them mimic things that are shocking because they hear stuff that is shocking. Everybody say, Pastor, Pastor. I'm not going to be a parrot. Pastor. Number six is the cuckoo. That's a cuckoo bird. Lord, is this fun? They don't like to work. They're lazy. They're always looking for a handout. The word I use for this bird is lazy. They like to sponge off other birds. They don't even build their own nest. But they plant their eggs in a nest of another bird. They don't take the time to raise the little ones, but let the bird that hatches them raise their offspring. Everybody say, Pastor, I'm not going to be a cuckoo. I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to love God. I'm going to work. The seventh bird I want to talk about is the proud peacock. NBC. This bird's very proud of itself, but it's just a bunch of bird feathers and a loud voice. It's a bird that struts around showing off. They want everyone to know how beautiful they are. That's all they're about. Let me say something. Every man in this church is handsome because the Lord beautifies the meek with salvation. And every lady in this church is beautiful. But you don't have to show it. Let God show it for you. Say amen to that. Everybody say pastor. I'm not going to be a proud peacock. The eighth bird is a little canary. Oh, they're cute, aren't they? Now we're getting we're getting we're getting kind of This bird does not know how to enjoy the freedom of a God-given life. They're beautiful. They have great potential, but they spend their lives in a locked cage. Of all the birds, they are best at singing. They know how to sing, but they remain locked in a cage that prevents them from a life of freedom. I'm here to tell you something. If you're going to sing, get out of the cage. If you're going to be a God-called child of God, get out of the cage. Don't let hell lock you in a cage. Come on, let me preach to you right now. It's time for you to sing. It's time for you to sing your song of freedom. Jesus Christ has set us free by the power of the blood that he shed for us on the cross. We are free by the power of the blood. Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. I'm going to sing like one. But I'm not going to be locked up like one. I'm going to be free in Jesus' name. And the ninth bird is the crow. The crow. I'm almost through. The crow lives a life that takes and does not give. This bird lives a self-centered life. They're dirty. They're noisy. They eat what does not belong to them. And they want to reduce the value of other birds' lives. They become unhappy if others are happy, and they have success or have success. They want they want it all for themselves, and they take from others. Pastor, where'd you get all this? That's some of the craziest stuff you ever taught in your life. I got it from Joyce Myers. Anybody like her? I got it from her. So tonight, everybody say, Pastor, Pastor. I'm not going to be a crow. I challenge you tonight on this first night to become an eagle Christian. I challenge you tonight to become an eagle Christian. We have to leave the life of the other nine birds I have mentioned. Eagles are bold. Eagles are courageous. They have a great attitude. They have keen vision. They're committed. They're reliable. They're devoted as they live their lives. They are ones who face the storms of life. And fly right into them and use the storms as thermals to soar higher and become stronger. They know how to stand alone in the storm and fly above the clouds of darkness and destruction. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Somebody needs to put your hand over your heart and say, I'm not a buzzard. I'm not a vulture, I'm not a crow, I'm not a cuckoo, I'm not a parrot. I am an eagle, and I will soar like an eagle this summer and have a great attitude for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me ask you a few questions. What do you think of yourself? How do you feel about yourself? What's your attitude about yourself? Don't let me have a better attitude about you than you have about yourself. Can I tell you, I don't pastor a church of losers. Huh? This is a winning place. This is a triumphant place. Amen? I love the kid named Harris that finished second to Edwin Moses years ago in the high hurdles, the 440 high hurdles. He finished second every time they ran. And one day, Harris looked at Moses and he said, Edwin, I'm getting closer to you. I'm going to beat you today. And Edwin said, you'll only beat me when I retire. He said, no, I'm going to beat you today. And they took off. And Harris, who had been gaining steps and gaining time and had run a better time than Edwin that year, beat Edwin Moses that day. And he beat him. He won a race after being defeated by Moses over 30 times. He won a race that day. Here's what I'm telling you. Sometime or other this summer, you need to look at hell and look at your life and say, I don't want my pastor to think more of me than I believe in myself. I'm going to have a winning attitude in my life. I'm going to get up every morning because I can get better today. I'm not asking you to do a complete turnaround. I'm just asking you to move a degree and say, I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm going to be brighter tomorrow. I'm going to be happier tomorrow. I'm going to know more joy tomorrow. And before you know it, potential and momentum gets a hold of your life. And you're going to wake up one day and say, where did this come from? <laughs> you can't get that smile off your face. Because you're going to get better and better. I would say to you that valuing yourself, liking yourself and feeling good about yourself is important. God wants you to be an eagle Christian. He wants you to fly high and be bold and live with power. An eagle is an example of strength, perseverance, and it refuses to be denied its potential. Romans 15, 13, I close. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I'm done. Would you stand to your feet all over the house? They're awesome people. Amen. We went to uh, Italy this year on our on our trip. We went to Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius erupted in 79 A.D. and discovered and destroyed the whole city of Pompeii and its ruins now. And they told us something: from 79 A.D. to 2015, that volcano is still active. In other words, it could go off today. It's still active. It hasn't lost its power in all those years. But they told us there's also inactive volcanoes. They're dead. They'll never, they'll never spring up. Then they said there's dormant volcanoes. And dormant volcanoes have potential, have potential. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to either be an active child of God all summer and say I'm getting better every day Or I want you to be one that's coming with potential every time you hear the Word of God and say, I'm going to get better. And before you know it, Pastor, I'm going to be smiling. I'm going to be living in victory. I'm going to defeat the one that's always defeated me. I'm going to live in perpetual victory, which we call triumph. I'm going to live in triumph. Let's have a fabulous summer, huh? Let's have a fabulous summer. Next week, we're going to talk about the construction of attitude. I want you to be here. We won't have a big night. We'll just have a big word night next week. Did you like my birds? I'll thank Joyce when I talk to her, all right? I love y'all. I love y'all. Now, Sunday morning's baptism. Pastor will be speaking. We're going to have a great time. But I want to tell you something. I'm not going to dismiss you. The reason not, because I want you to go out of this place and go out there and have a great time. And after a while in the parking lot, I'm going to rise up and pray a dismissal prayer and say it's time for y'all to go home so we can clean this place up. I love you. Go have a great time. I love you. See you Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You're awesome people. You're awesome people. You're awesome people. You're awesome people. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal.